Okay, I'm going to talk about the word better. The word better. It's a, it's a strong word, and the definition of better is superior, especially in merit or rank. And so that's, that, that is a strong thing to say that is something is superior to another. Um, and so here's, here's a couple things that are better than other things. So uh, dogs are better than cats. All right, that's that is a that's a fact in my heart. Uh, sweet food is better than salty food. All right, all you sweet tooth people, you get it. Uh, the Packers are better than the Bears, and if you have a hard time with that, just look at the statistics. That's just that's truth. All right, uh, Chick Fil A is better than every other fast food joint. I mean, that is just undisputed. As my wife says, it's the Lord's chicken. It's that is good. It's true. Uh, and then lastly, Marvel comics are better than DC comics. I mean, if you've seen any of the movies in the last couple of years, you know that to be true. And so those are just a few examples, but uh, it's, uh, I'm just getting across to the point that, that the word better is it's a strong word. And you are when you're saying that something is better than something else, you are, are planting your flag in the ground. You're drawing your line in the sand and you're saying that, you know, one thing is superior to the other, or one thing is inferior to the other. And so, when you um, uh, and so when you do that, what that does is that that shows that you have an opinion about something, and that it shows that you you must have some sort of fact to base that off of. And so, for me, I have very strong beliefs, and I uh, you know like my my strength in strength finders, my number one. Uh, strength is my belief in that I, when I believe in something, I will hold to that truth as long as I can. I will, I will fight, you know, tongue in cheek to, to prove that that's the truth. And, you know, oftentimes I'll fight with, or argue or debate with my wife about something. And I'm like, I'm right. I know I'm right. I know that for a fact. And, you know, and, and I am just like, I will, I will hold to that. And usually I'm wrong with her, but, um, you know, that's okay. That's okay. But, um, so here's the thing, though. What I want to talk about, there is one thing. I know I made some jokes a little earlier about some things that were better than others. Uh, but one thing that I know for a fact is better than the other is our new covenant with Jesus Christ. It's our, it's our, new, it's our relationship with Jesus Christ that is better than the covenant that the Israelites had with the Lord in their time. And that's what we live under now. And I'm going to talk about that this morning. Uh, but before we do, I want to go ahead and pray and, and just prepare our hearts for the message. So Lord, uh, I, just, I just pray that your spirit would be here this morning, uh, that you would teach us, that you would open our hearts, you would open our minds and, and our ears to hear what you have to say, and uh, get me out of, out of the way of whatever you have to say this morning, Lord. Uh, Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, uh, this, this covenant that is better that we're talking about, this is the thing, we're in the series about, about elevating Jesus. In this covenant, when we, when we grasp this idea that the covenant that we are under is better than the covenant of old, that we, sorry about that, uh, we, we, will, we will learn to elevate Jesus in this process, and it's going to put him in the rightly seated position in our hearts that he needs to be in. And so here's what's crazy. Most of us know the story of the fall of man, of Adam and Eve, right? God created, um, you know, Adam and Eve, and he put them in the garden to have a relationship with him. That was his, his original created intent for man 
when he created them. And, you know, along comes the serpent that he deceives, the, he deceives uh, Eve, and then Adam and Eve both eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they're cast out of the garden, and they're removed from relationship with God. And eventually we see the covenant, the old covenants, the law, uh, things like that, and eventually Jesus comes. But here's what I find extremely uh, interesting uh, about what God is saying to the serpent, saying to Satan, as soon as this has taken place. He says this in Genesis 3:15, I will put en enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heels. And I find that extremely interesting. You could say that that is the first prophetic statement in Scripture. You could you could argue that God has said, says uh, Eve's offspring shall bruise the head. Of, of Satan. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about, you know, all this stuff is coming, but I'm going to establish a covenant with my people down the road. I'm going to send my son and he is going to bruise the head of Satan. And he's talking about this covenant that we live in. And so, but and most of us, most of us here, if you're watching, you've probably, you've heard of Jesus. You know, you've heard of who Jesus is. You've heard of the fact that uh, a guy, a Jewish guy, 2,000 years ago was crucified by the Romans. You know, we, we most, most of us have heard of that, but do we know what it means? Do we know what it means that 2,000 years ago a man was crucified? And here I am 2,000 years later in the United States or wherever you're watching. Do, do we understand what that means for us and what that implies? It's like, like... It's, it's so good, it's, and it's, I'll get into why it's good, but it's like we look at a tree, and it's got this ripe peach on it, you know, and we see this peach, and it's, we know what it is, but we don't exactly taste its sweetness and its goodness, and we don't let that become like who we are in our inner being and understand what that means, and, and so I think a lot of us have missed that in our, in our walk with the Lord. Uh, and if we continue to press into what I'm talking about, we're going to be able to elevate Jesus in this place, and we're going to let that consume us. So uh, I, I want to talk this morning about the difference between the Old and the New Covenant a little bit. There's a lot of, of detail on that, but I'm going to talk uh, just briefly about the general overview uh, of both of them. So uh, the Old Covenant, there's really there's like five to seven covenants that the Lord made with the Israelites. Um, but I'm going to sum those all up and call them the Old Covenant. Basically, this was the law, and I'm going to talk about that here. Um, this is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15 through 18. He says this, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, and you, are, you do not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, <clears throat> I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over to Jordan to enter and possess. And so, basically, the, what we're looking at here is, is karma, right? Like, that's kind of what that says. Like, if you, if you do good, you're going you're gonna to succeed. If you do poorly, you're going to fail. Um, and you're going to perish and, and all this bad stuff will happen to you. And so the old covenant was, was contingent 
on the, the compliance of man. It was contingent on the compliance of the Israelites to follow the, the, the rules and the statutes set apart in that covenant by the Lord. And if they didn't, they would, they would be exiled, they would be killed, there would be famine, all this bad stuff would happen to them. And, uh, you know, many of us today, we still kind of think we're in that covenant, you know? Like, does that, does that kind of ring true? Like, if you, if you sin or if you, like, you, you know, you, you fall short of something and you're, like, you're going through something, you're like, oh, it's, just, it's God punishing me for the bad I've done. It's God punishing me for all this stuff that I've, you know, that I've, I've turned away from him in. But in reality, we're, we're just believing in karma. We're believing in a covenant that has passed away. We're believing in a covenant that no longer exists because of what Jesus did. Now the question is today, do, do we believe in karma or do we believe in Jesus? Because I, I want to say that you can't really believe in both. You can't believe in both because what Jesus did was establish a covenant that is, is not based on karma. And so this is, this is why the author in Hebrews 8, we're going to be in Hebrews a little bit today, so, um, but Hebrews 8, he says this, But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent or better than the old covenant, as, he medi- as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. Alright, so he says better like three times in there, so we know that something about this is better. And, and the part I want to highlight is the last phrase in there where he says, since it is enacted on better promises. You know, so, so what that means is that nothing about the new covenant makes it better than the old except for the promises that are, are laid in, inside of it. But why is that? Why is it that promises could make something better than, than the old covenant? What's different about the promises? Because both covenants do have promises, uh, but what's better about the ones in the new? Um, you know, and, and I think we'll, we'll press into this, but the, the, the promise of the old covenant versus the promise of the new covenant, the, the new covenant has the blessing and the promise of what the cross did. And that's what we're missing out of the Old Covenant. But here, listen to this here. Again, in Hebrews 8. So uh, the author of this is talking to uh, his audience, and he's referencing the promise that the Lord made to Jeremiah. So uh, the Lord said this to Jeremiah. He said, This is the covenant that I will establish with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. The new covenant is better than the old covenant because it's enacted on God's promises, not man's compliance. The new covenant, I'm going to say that one more time, the new covenant is better than the Old Covenant because it's enacted on God's promises and not man's compliance with its rules. So that's, that's, that's the important thing that I want us to take out of this is that we're under that covenant that all this stuff that I just talked about 
that the Lord said to Jeremiah, those are the promises that we're under. It's God's promises, not our, our needing to comply with his, his rules. And so there was like seven or eight, maybe nine promises in there. He says, I will put, I will be, they will be, no longer will they, or say, they will all know me, I will forgive, and I will remember their sins no more. And that's, that's like all on God. That's, he's not saying they need to do this if they, if they want to you know, succeed and prosper. It's saying, I will do these things, because it, and this is the covenant that I will establish. And basically what he did here, he took, he took like a giant rubber band. There was like a rubber band of tension that was just being stretched and stretched and stretched. Because that, was, that, that stretching was the burden of man to uphold their end of the bargain. And that was the, the fault with the Old Covenant is that, that man had to uphold their side and they couldn't do it. And so it's, it's kind of like this. Like for, for me, if you don't know me, um, I'm an, an officer in the Army Reserve as well as a pastor here. And so uh, I found out in June of 2018 that I was getting deployed for a nine-month tour. And so for like, you know, there was uh, with the training on the front and the back end, it was uh, about 11 and a half months that I was away from home. And so for 11 and a half months, um, you know, my wife and I had this tension of not being able to see each other face to face, to be around each other. Um, you know, for, for almost an entire year, I couldn't hold my wife's hand. I couldn't, we couldn't, you know, do anything together. We couldn't go out for a walk. We couldn't, you know, talk face to face. Um, you know, we were, we were eight hours separate in time zones. And so there was, there was just this giant tension, between, not between us, but you know, in our relationship, just hovering over us that we were unable to be together. And you know, from, it was like that until the very day I got home, which is actually a year, a year ago from tomorrow, August 3rd uh, of 2019 was the, the day I got home. And it was like that rubber band being stretched and stretched of just tension of between, you know, in our relationship. And, and from all the stuff we went through, and then the day I got home, it just snapped. You know, it just snapped. Now, not, not everything just was, like, was perfectly okay, but you know, all I'm saying is that that's, that's similar to what happened with this, the new covenant, is that there was this, this burden of compliance on man just stretching, and eventually it snapped when Jesus took the cross, and Jesus established the new covenant, and he put the responsibility on him to remain faithful to that covenant. And so, uh, you know, the old covenant, it had, it had its faults. And listen to, listen to this here in Hebrews 8 again. It said, for the first if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would be no occasion to look for a second. And so, like I said, you know, a couple minutes ago, the, the fault was on man's inability to uphold their end of the bargain. It was, it was man's inability to fulfill the law. It was, man couldn't keep the rules. Man couldn't follow through with all the statutes, so they continued to go into exile, perish, all that. And, and so that was why Jesus came and established a new covenant, is because man couldn't uphold his end of the old covenant. And you know, so he... What he's done essentially is he's created a covenant that has better promises to it. 
It's got better promises, and the promises are God's promises to be faithful to his, his side of the covenant. And there's one more promise, and it's a promise of hope. And this is, this is what the old covenant didn't have that the new covenant does. Is it has hope. And there's a couple of reasons for that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that in a few minutes here, but um, I want to transition to a little bit different part. Has anybody been watching the news lately? If you haven't been watching the news or you haven't been on social media, you, I mean, that's, that's probably the only way you wouldn't have seen anything just because of how much is going on in our world and our society right now. Here's, here's just a few things that uh, I've seen constantly popping up in my news feed. Um, there's sex trafficking. This has been raised to light. Uh, lately, there's a, a whole bunch of sex trafficking rings and, and things that are being uncovered lately. Um, there's rioting across our country. Um, there's racial and social injustice. There's political wars between, between parties and between people and friends and family members. And there's just widespread hatred that is just it's rampant right now. Not, it's not only in the United States, but it's in the whole world. And, you know, if you, if you look at those things, that can feel pretty hopeless. That can feel like, you know, man, it's a lot going on. And I don't, I don't know how I can have hope in these, in these things. But there is a promise, like I said, of the new covenant of hope. And this is, this is how we can have hope in these things, in, in these problems that we're experiencing. Uh, Revelation 4, I'm going to uh, switch to that real quick. And John, is, he says this. He says, At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. A throne in heaven. And, and so Christ is on his throne. Like that is, That's part of our hope, is that we know when we're looking at all of these things, that Christ is on his throne. And if we, if we look at at all the problems in our world, and we use that as our frame of reference to, to how we feel about our hope, then we're going to have a lot of hopelessness in our lives. But if we choose to look at Revelation 4, where we see that Christ is on his throne, and he is, he's there, he's not moving, he hasn't forgotten about us, and we filter our problems through that frame of reference, we're going to realize that there is hope. There is hope. He's not, God is here and he wants to do things right now, today, in our day and age, because of the new covenant that he established with us. He's given us hope to, to navigate through the situations of our lives. So there's, there's probably some things, I know those, those topics are a little bit uh, bigger scale, but there's probably some things in your own life that, that you know, are a little bit more personal to you that make you feel hopeless and and there's a couple questions that I had pop in my my brain as I was kind of praying and writing the sermon this week and um, you know some questions like how can I have hope when I've been stuck in my own home for six months you know how can I have hope with all these these problems like racial and socioeconomic injustice with sex slavery uh, corruption and all that stuff how can I have hope with the issues and pain in my own life how can I have hope when my family members are sick? How can I have hope when, you know, I'm struggling financially? How can I have hope when I continue to fall into sin? How can I have hope in these things? And those are, it's okay to ask those questions. I'm not saying that's not okay, but it's okay to ask those questions. But we have to, again, we have to frame our understanding through the idea of Christ. That, that Christ is on his throne and that he's, 
He's there for you and that he loves you and he has not abandoned you. And so here's, here's another reason that we can have hope. Hebrews 9 says this in verse 28. It says, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. He is coming back. Jesus is coming back. This is, this is, he's coming to, to bring salvation. He's coming to right the wrongs. He's coming to bring uh, justice to injustice. He's, he's coming back. He is coming back. That's the hope. Like that's the hope of, of the covenant is that you know he's gonna come and he's gonna wipe away all of our tears. He's gonna make right everything in our lives. And he he loves us and he's not abandoning us. So are you feeling hopeless? Do you not feel like Jesus is elevated in your life? Do you feel like there's there's things missing? There's, there's holes in your life that are filled right now with hopelessness. You know, and so, so I want to give us, I'm, I'm kind of winding down here. I want to give us an action step to take home with us so that it's not just pretty words on, on you know, paper, right? So find, I want you to find, and this, there may be some pain involved in this, but I want you to find the areas that you are the least hopeful in. That you are the least hopeful in. The places that hurt, the places that you don't feel like will ever end, the, the tunnel, there's no light at the end of that tunnel. And I want you to find those things, and I want you to, to open to Revelation 4, and I want you to you know, read that verse that Christ is on his throne. And I want you to understand that the new covenant that, that we have established, God is faithful through. God is faithful in that, and he is going to... He, he's going to interact in your life right now because he's on his throne he, and he, he is looking at you and he knows your situation. He knows the pain that you're in, but he took all of that on the cross. He took all that on the cross. And when we elevate our new covenant to the right place that it should be, instead of thinking that we live in a place of karma, we can have hope in these situations. I'm going to go ahead and pray and, and buy worship back up and um, and then we'll close up for the day. So Jesus, I just, I thank you that um, you're good. And I thank you that your new covenant that you've established with us is a covenant of hope. And that we can, we can trust you and we can know that you're going to interact on our behalf. And we love you and we thank you for hope. We, we elevate you and your new covenant in the name of Jesus. Amen.